welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. This is part two of episode eight my interview with Scott Laysath, the sporting chef. In this part of the episode, Scott's going to give us some turkey recipes. He's going to tell us what the perfect temperature is for that wild turkey that we're cooking. He's also going to share with us how to cook legs and thighs so that they're not so tough that you break your jaw trying to eat them. And in addition to that, he's going to tell us how to prepare our wild turkey for cooking and for freezing. I know I spend a lot of time cleaning the meat once I pull it from the breast of that turkey to get the blood and the feathers off of it. So Scott's going to give us a good way to do that with as little amount of effort as possible. You know, every once in a while when I'm doing this podcast, I have a few technical issues. And I actually did in this recording with Scott Laysath. And in this part of the episode, we're going to lose audio a couple of different times. So bear with us during the pauses that you're going to hear, and the recording will pick right up on the other side of the pause, and we'll just resume right on. I apologize about that. That was actually some work that was being done on the internet in the area the day that I recorded the call. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into this part of the episode. I hope you enjoy this part of the interview as much as I did recording it, and I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Well, I think that personally, I I'm a little bit obsessed with cleaning the meat of any of the animal that I kill before I freeze it sure. and or cook it. I spend a good bit of time cleaning and recleaning and then cleaning it all again before I, any of the meat goes into a dish or right. goes in the freezer. Right. Can you share any tips with me that may help make cleaning the turkey, make that process of cleaning the meat, the breast meat and the legs and all that a little bit easier or what, a little bit quicker? What I'll normally do is I'll put it into a saltwater brine and soak it in a saltwater brine. Um, mm-hmm. And that's going to leach a lot of the blood out. If you've got some clots where the BBs went in, then it's going to get rid of a lot of those. And really using, if you know, the basic deal is half a gallon of water, half a cup of kosher salt, and that's the coarse salt. If you use a table grind salt, use about one-fourth less because it's more concentrated. Smaller granules, so it'll be too salty, but half a gallon of, of water, half a cup of kosher salt, it's all that. And I like to soak them in that for several hours, take them out, pat them dry. To me, soaking it that in that is going to dislodge whatever's on the outside. And it's mm-hmm. not going to make it taste anything different other than turkey. You're not disguising the flavor. And it's going to add moisture to it. Now, if you have 
frozen turkey that you haven't brined, what I do is mm -hmm. I'll take it out of the freezer and I'll thaw it in brine. And it takes the turkey blood out, puts the brine in. I do the same thing with a domestic Thanksgiving turkey. But that's how I get mine ready. And then make sure that you pat it dry, really, really, really dry, with two ply paper towels before you freeze it so that you don't have the, ice, the water crystals on the outside. Right. Well, I never thought about brining one before I froze it. So that's that's interesting. And I was one of my questions to ask you was if you ever brine your wild turkey before cooking it. You're telling me you brine every one of them, and typically it's before it's frozen. And and if I don't, I'll do it after. But it's mm -hmm. gotta it's gotta be brined. I brine quail, pheasant, chucker. You know we've got a seven week pheasant season out here, and we've got a we've got a fair amount of wild birds. I brine them. I brine my Thanksgiving turkey, and I definitely brine my domestic, my wild turkey parts. But it can yeah. be done before or after. You just have to make sure if you do it before that you give it a chance to rest, and then you pat it dry with the two-ply paper towels um, so that it will wick out any excess brine that's in there. Okay. All right. That is really good information, so I'll have to try that. And I didn't know about defrosting one in a brine. That's a great idea as well. And the brine really helps to keep the meat from getting burned if you do put it on the grill or right. any kind of direct flame like that, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, and it's going to add moisture and flavor. Brine tastes better than turkey blood. And, and that way, if you brine it ahead of time, when you, if you're thinking, let's have wild turkey tonight, you've eliminated the, well, you know, it's got a brine for several hours. You take it out, you thaw it under cold water, and you're ready to slap it on the grill after a little olive oil and whatever you want to put on it. Okay. But speaking of that, so now I've got this clean turkey breast sitting in the sink in front of me. I'm looking at a fully stocked pantry, a fully stocked spice rack, and a fully stocked refrigerator. Give me three or five or ten things that you would look at, and I know you're not going to mix all ten of those things together, but throw out just some two or three things that, uh, let's go with two or three, how about that? Well, throw out two or three things that almost everybody's going to have in their house that they can walk over, pick up, put it on a turkey breast, and prepare something great. And, and to me, it's basically a balance of flavors. Um, and if you have an old gobbler, that you know, the breast can still be a little tough on that. There's a little unit that I have called a jacquard, and everybody should have one. It's J-A-C-C-A-R-D. You can get them anywhere from 20 bucks to 30 bucks for the same thing, depending on where you buy it. It's three rows of surgical steel flat blades. It's spring-loaded, and you push it into that old turkey breast, and what it does is it cuts through the connective tissue, makes it infinitely more tender, but it doesn't change the texture of it. It doesn't turn it into hamburger. It's a, it's a really handy device to have for the, big, for the older birds. But I'm talking, I'll take into a bowl, I'll put any kind of vinegar, rice vinegar, cider vinegar, whatever, there's going to be, that's my sour component. Then I want to add a little bit of sweetness. That can be anything from brown sugar to the berry preserves you have in your refrigerator. It has a whole different flavor to me, and you have to use a whole lot more of it. I know it's really handy, but, you know, learn how to properly process some garlic, and it's better. And it just has a whole different flavor. Salt, pepper, breast into the, into the marinade, leave it in there for a couple of hours, and I will more often than not cook it on a grill. If I'm inside, it's a hot cast iron skillet. That's my probably my go-to marinade. 
in the summertime when I've got fresh herbs in the garden, and I know a lot of folks around the country have got fresh herbs, you know, homegrown tomatoes you can't get in January. I don't care what they call them at the store. I like to do fresh basil, white wine, garlic, a little bit of lemon juice, a handful of chopped fresh basil. And if you don't have that, if you look in your pantry, use some Italian seasoning. And I like it. I'll make this one a little bit spicy. So I'll either, if I've, if I've got fresh jalapeno, I'll chop that up and throw that in there. Otherwise, just some red pepper flakes, a splash of Tabasco, or any kind of hot sauce you have. I whisk all that together. While I'm whisking it, I'm going to add a stream of either olive oil or vegetable oil, whatever we have, and that will emulsify that. And, and with some chopped up homegrown tomato in there, let that sit for several hours. Throw that into a hot skillet, and then when it's just about done, dump the rest of that marinade right on top of that, and you're going to have all that basilly, garlic, tomato. You've got a sauce right on top of it right now. Take the turkey breast out, let it rest for a few minutes while that sauce comes to a boil. Take the sauce, and once it's reduced in liquid down to just a couple of tablespoons, but you've still got the tomato and the basil and all that good stuff in there, whisk in a couple of tablespoons of butter. Take your wild turkey breast, slice it across the grain, and then spoon that buttery tomato basil sauce right on top. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I just had a huge Mexican lunch and i'm hungry again <laughs> and, and you know if you like it a little spicier too you know with you know, you know i spent several years in arizona and live in northern california now and the southwestern influence is real strong here you can take chopped up bell pepper onion garlic cilantro and if you don't have cilantro fresh cilantro at home you can even use taco seasoning you want to give it a southwestern flavor uh, some freshly squeezed lime juice and you have to be careful with with uh, acidic juices acidic lemon juice lime juice that kind of thing because it will cook that turkey and if you leave it in an acidic marinade for too long that turkey will actually get mushy on the outside. So make sure that you add some kind of oil to it. So we we might even throw in some tequila if you have that. So tequila, we'll say, we'll say tequila, lime, peppers, garlic, cilantro. And again, whisk in some olive oil into that. And if you don't want to put the tequila in, that's okay. Let that sit in there in the refrigerator for a couple hours. Slap it on a grill or into the hot skillet. Slice it up and wrap that up in a nice warm flour tortilla. Oh, wow. Sounds great. You mentioned the Ducard, which is a tenderizer. I mean, you can, for those of you that can't imagine what that is and you haven't seen one, I mean, take a rubber mallet and put about 32 surgical razor blades on the end of it, and that's basically what you have. So it it's pounding the meat and those Razors are going in and cutting the the sinew, like Scott said. Are you because the turkey breast, obviously the the top part of the breast closest to the neck is much thicker mm-hmm. than what's down towards the the tailbone. So, are you using that jacquard to take that meat to the same thickness? Well, it's not. It doesn't change the the look of it. It doesn't change the size of it. it it's not a mallet. It's a all it does, it's the spring-loaded deal, but all it does is, is, is put little cuts into it. Right. So 
if you want to do it, you're, and you're right, if, you know, if overcooked wild turkey is tough, and people will say, yeah. man, my turkey's tough, and I say, you're cooking it too long. The answer is not to put it into the slow cooker. As you mentioned, if you, if you lightly pound on that, on that thick end so that it is, it is of even thickness, Mm-hmm. It'll cook evenly, and you won't have a tough, chewy part and an undercooked pink part. Right. You, you can't rush it. I mean, you can you can use high heat, but especially on a on a bigger bird, same thing with a honker breast. People go, man, I I cook the honker breast, and you know to get it medium rare on the outside, a lot of times it's overcooked on the ins it's undercooked on the inside, overcooked on the outside, so it has two very different flavors. What I like to do often with the turkey breast, rather than pound it, is I'll butterfly it so that it is okay. of more even thickness. And you can just take your knife and without butterflying it, you can just slice through the whole thing. But if uh-huh. you butterfly it, you can stuff it. Prosciutto, basil, Parmesan cheese, wrap the whole thing up, um, either stick some toothpicks in it or tie it up with some butcher string and stick it in the oven after you've browned it on the outside Cook it 350 degrees until the internal temperature is around 160. Take it out, let it rest, untie it, and then you can slice it into medallions, and you've got all this delicious turkey with all this stuffing on the inside that helps keep it moist. Yeah, okay. So butterflying is a good way to have a piece of meat that's the same even thickness all the way around, sure, which it, is it'll, a, a great it'll, option. It'll be closer to even, yeah, than if you just take the, the whole big breast and put it on the grill because you're right you know the tail end will the the smaller end will cook quicker that's that's something that i've always struggled with because whether i cook it in the oven or i cook it in the grill i've got this thin end it seems to always be done quicker i don't want to cut it to go ahead and cut it off and get it off because now i'm letting any moisture that's inside that breast come out where i've cut the meat while it's still cooking and the thicker part is still cooking i should say so you know, I have not butterflied it. That's a, a great idea. I, I have used the jacquard on it and cooked one here recently and did that and was able to get that thicker part a little bit thinner. But still, I ended up with you know that end right there going towards the tailbone mm-hmm. being thinner. And, and, of course, it was done before the rest of the breast was and a little bit tougher than the rest of it was. So that's a good idea. A minute ago, you were giving us the recipe, and you mentioned, you started to mention about the jarred berry preserves right. that we have in the refrigerator, and the Skype recording cut out for about five or ten seconds. Is there a particular berry that you would prefer to use on turkey than any other? You know, not really. They're all going to be a little bit different, but you're looking for a sweet element to balance the vinegar. You know, balsamic vinegar with blackberry preserves, I'm more likely to use on on a darker meat just because I don't want it to discolor that turkey. With a turkey oh. breast, I'm more likely to use, say, rice vinegar and peach preserves okay. just for the color of it. But you're just balancing sour and sweet flavors. Really open up the refrigerator door. you got something in there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate you coming back and covering that for me. You mentioned the legs and the thighs, and those need to cook slower. You also mentioned that the perfect temperature for the breast or for poultry, I guess, a turkey would be 160 degrees for the internal temperature of the meat. 
Is that going to be the same case with the legs and the thighs? And if so, how are we going to go about cooking those slower to make them to where they are more edible before they reach that 160 degree temperature? Well, and, and actually on, and I know the safe temperature is 160 and, and I say 160 with a, with the butterfly and stuffed deal. And, and like on my, on my wild Turkey, I normally get it to the breast about 145, 150. I'm going to tell you 160. So people don't say you'll kill somebody and, and, Right. Whatever. But I'm I'm actually close to 145, 150, and then letting it rest for a little while. You know, I cook my quail until the meat right at the thigh joint is still a little bit pink. If you read a recipe that says cook your quail until the juices run clear, there aren't any juices. Um, uh-huh. There's just no fat on it. So with the turkey, on the on the legs and thighs, you can't rush them. What I'm going to do is I'm going to brown them in a skillet or in an oven, and then I'm going to put it into a roasting pan, and I will put about a half to three-quarter inch of liquid in there. That can be chicken broth, white wine, you know, any kind of liquid. You can just, you can, if you want to go more Asian flavors, you can put like a teriyaki, but don't make it too Mm -hmm. thick because you're going to cook the liquid out and you'll have this burnt teriyaki on the bottom. Cover it up with foil. And if you want to throw in some trim ends of celery, carrot, onion in there for flavor, you can do that too. Cover it up with foil, put it into a 325-degree oven, and it's going to take three to four hours, every bit of three to four hours for those turkey legs and thighs to where you can pull the meat off the bone. And what I like to do, I'll actually I'll take the, the, the drumsticks, um, and I'll more likely use those for making a stock, but those turkey thighs, if you get them until they're tender, then you cool them off, then you hit them with a little marinade or put some barbecue sauce on them and put them Mm -hmm. on the grill while you're grilling your turkey breasts, you now have edible wild turkey thighs because you've already rendered them tender. And if you take a wild turkey thigh and throw it on the grill, it's not going to be nearly as tender as if you put it in that oven and braise it for a few hours first until it's nice and tender, then you season it, then you put it on the grill, then it's better. Nice. That's interesting. Hey, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for bearing with us through the downtimes and the recording. Be sure to tune in next week where Scott's going to share with us his favorite side dishes that he likes to serve when he cooks wild turkey, his favorite wine and beer to have with a wild turkey meal, his thoughts on the locavore trend that's sweeping the country right now, and the story of his most recent successful wild turkey hunt. And if you like the information that Scott shared with us today, he has cookbooks that are for sale on Amazon.com. Visit Amazon, look up Scott Laysath, the sporting chef. There are a couple of cookbooks on the site there that you can purchase. Also, be sure to visit SportingChef.com for free turkey recipes and catch Scott on Sporting Chef TV on the Sportsman Channel. If you would like to contact Scott for a demo, if you've got a corporate event or any type of organization like that that you'd like to, for Scott to come out and do a demo, you can reach him at 916-351-1079 or you can email him at scott at sportingchef.com. 
scott at sportingchef.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.